Bags down, spikes on, welcome to the track. My name's Colin Waitsman, I'm going to be your host for this episode of Track World News, and we have a really good episode for you. Got three pretty interesting topics that I'm going to want to share with you, but before we get into all of that, make sure that you leave a like, subscribe, give us a review, leave a rating, really helps us know that you're enjoying what's going on. I've had a lot of support so far, and all of it is appreciated. So the three topics I want to talk about, first, I want to review the Texas Relays that just happened. We had some pretty insane performances that went down. I uh, want to go over some of my thoughts on how American track and field can restructure itself to become some of the most interesting tour-like um, you know, track and field moments. We've seen something very similar in another sport, and I'm going to get into how we could copy what they're doing to become better over here. And then last, there are two athletes, uh, stories that I'd like to cover um, that I found were pretty interesting. One of them happened a little while ago, but had an update just recently. And then another one was just a performance of some dual athletes. So wanna talk about that as well. So first, wanna get into the Texas Relays. Got to start off with easily the best performance of the weekend, and that goes to Tara Davis. So for those that don't know, if you're a fan of track and field, you should know who she is. She is the long jumper from Texas, uh, University of Texas, and she just did, she had a collegiate record of 7.14 meters, which is 23 feet, five and a quarter inches. She beat Jackie Joyner's uh best of 6.99 meters and anytime you can beat Jackie Joyner uh, in any competition one of the best athletes especially track and field athletes of all time you're you're in a good boat I mean she beat her best of 6.99 and to get into the finals because she actually had fouled on her first two attempts on her third attempt she jumped 6.97 so she almost ties the record right there and then on her fourth or fifth attempt, she ended up jumping 714, which was the collegiate record. And so she now holds the best and the third best jump in long jump history, as well as the indoor collegiate best, so, or collegiate record. So, I mean, I originally said Aething Moo. It was a like, you know, it was her and then maybe uh, Giddens that was, you know, up there for just getting the, the Bowerman. Dara Davis is really going to make that challenging. Uh, she is really pushing because now she has an indoor-outdoor collegiate record. Um, she won the national championship indoors. She wins this outdoor national championship. I mean, it's going to be hard to not give it to her. Um, but it's also going to be really hard to not give it to uh, Moo as well because she's done very many, very much of the similar things but also um, doing it in multiple events. So... It's, she had a very impressive uh, outing. Looking forward to seeing what the rest of the year does. You know, if you're jumping 714 in the first meet of the year, that's impressive. So looking forward to seeing how, how far she can jump later on this year. Uh, next, my next favorite performance, we go to a Pennsylvania local. We have Terrence Laird, who ran 19.81 in the 200. Uh, that is the world lead uh, PR by over half a second. 
and third all-time in the NCAA. I mean, the dude was moving. If you look at the race, it really wasn't even close. I mean, the second best time in the world right now came from a guy that was in that race who came in second place, and he ran a 20.22. And so he just it, was, it just wasn't even close. He, he just was annihilating the competition. Fantastic to see him do really well. He also wore his bib upside down because he was at the Texas Relays, and, you know, Texas's horns up, and there he was doing horns down, so I love that. Uh, a lot of people hate it, but I thought it was great. Um, I love the rivalry that LSU and Houston has. He also was the anchor leg on the 4x1. Um, LSU lost to Houston. If you remember two years ago, it was the LSU-Houston were neck and neck. LSU uh, won it, and the guy was, like, bumping his chest like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. That was great. Um but this time, Houston got the win. LSU had terrible handoffs. Like, if, the second that LSU gets those handoffs, it's they easily are the better team because they he went from being behind by, like, four or five meters to being right up next to Houston in just the anchor leg after having a terrible handoff. So LSU is not playing around this year. Terrence Laird having a fantastic season already. Um I mean, he's going to be in the conversation now for being either on that 4 by one for the Olympic trials or will he qualify for the Olympics in the 200? Because that 9A1 is like in the third, it's about third right now um, in the world in, in a normal year of 2019 because uh, it's Noah Lyles and Michael Norman who are both running like 19.5s, so it's really really not even close there. And then the next for the U S at least is around that nine, eight mark. So he is now in the conversation of being an Olympic runner in 2021, because that 1981 is where you need to be. So he's, he's got a chance to really do that. I mean, there's a lot of competition. I mean, Matthew bowling, uh, is, is going to be huge. I mean, there's, there's a ton both in the NCAA and obviously post collegians that are going to be vying for that third spot, but overall, uh, Fantastic race by him. Next uh, race that I was super impressed by and goes back to the narrative that I was talking earlier this year that you do not need to run Division One if you want to be successful. We go to Benjamin Azamati. He is from West Texas A&M, Division Two school. He is a freshman. He ran a 9.97. I'll say that again. A freshman from Division II, West Texas A&M, ran a 9.97, which is a world lead and a collegiate best in the Division II level. He is the real deal. It just shows that you do not need to go Division I if you want to be a great athlete. You can go at any division. Just find a good coach that you like, find good enough facilities that can get the job done, and you're good. You don't need to go to these huge programs to be able to be a fantastic athlete. You can go anywhere. You can go small Division One. You can go Division Two, Division Three, NAIA, JUCO. I mean, Terrence Laird started off going to a JUCO school. He he didn't start off at LSU. Like all, all these people like have different journeys that they go through. You don't have to follow the I need to get her scholarship at a major Division One school in order to be a fantastic runner. No, that's not the case. Everyone has a different journey, and so follow yours. You don't need to follow what you think is the blueprint, because there is no blueprint in this track and field stuff. 
It's your own. Follow your own journey. Uh, next, uh, let's let's skip let's skip the uh, and go to the next one. Since we're already talking about athletes following their own journey, uh, I want to talk about Hunter Woodhall. So the name might sound familiar for you. Uh, that is because he is one of the best um, para athletes in, in the in the world in the country. Um, Hunter Woodhall. He's he was a former Arkansas. 400 meter, 200 meter runner. He is a double amputee. He is the first uh, at double amputee in track and field to earn a scholarship, at least at the division one level. And yeah, he actually didn't receive many offers uh, out of college because it just hadn't happened before. Coaches didn't know, you know, what was going on. Um, and so he, if you realized, he actually left uh, University of Arkansas during the indoor season. I can't remember if he competed for them, I believe he competed for them, like for a meet or two, but then he left. And it's not like he was just a part of the team. He was a contributing member of this team. He is a very, very fast runner um, who he has a potential to make not just Paralympics, but he could make the Olympics in, uh, you know, in, in a few, whether it be like a, a relay in the 4x4 or 400 or whatever it might be. He, he, has, he has potential. He runs very fast. And he left the University of Arkansas, and a lot of people are like, wow, you're, you're leaving this major program, why are you doing that? And as of recently, if you've been following much with the NCAA, not just track and field, but the NCAA as a whole, a lot of athletes have been having issue with the fact that athletes are not allowed to make money off of their name and likeness. Uh, there is a recent article, which is why I brought this um, thing up. He had a he did a piece with the New York Times, fantastic article. Go read it if you you get the chance. Um, where he says, uh, "quote It was not worth staying to chase a national title so they could use my name and story to promote themselves." Referring to the University of Arkansas. And so yeah, because he has an extremely unique story. I mean, he's been on Ellen. Uh, he's now you know one of the the premier athletes, especially on TikTok and social media and and YouTube and all that. He's, he's promoting himself. He's doing really great things there. He's, what, the the boyfriend uh, of Tara Davis, who we, who we mentioned before. So they're a power couple that, that are doing fantastic things in the track and field world. And so he's got a he's got a really great brand behind him. And so he's like, yeah, I, I, I just don't want and don't see the value in having the University of Arkansas being able to take the money that I could be making if I was doing this on my own. Uh, this is something that we kind of saw – a few years ago with the, the, the University of Central Florida, yeah, UCF kicker, uh, destroying. Um, what, uh, I can't remember his real, na- his real name. I know it's De La Haye, but he's uh, on YouTube. His name's destroying. He was a kicker for UCF, and the NCAA was like, hey, you can't be making these YouTube videos because you're profiting off the fact you're an athlete. So you either have to stop or you can't be on the team. He was like... <laughs> Bye. Like, I'm not going to be on the team anymore. And so he left UCF. Everyone thought he was crazy because he's like, well, you're, you're giving up your chances of becoming an NFL kicker, which he legitly had a, a shot for this YouTube stuff. And yeah, it turned out to be a great decision. I mean, he's now he has over a million. He has a couple. I don't know if he has over two million subscribers. I know he has over a million making a lot of money doing what he likes to do. Still involved in the kicking world and football as a whole. And it worked out for him. Uh, I see a very similar trajectory for Hunter here. I mean, he's he's doing really well. He's now going to be able to promote a lot more uh, things that he'd like to promote. 
um, as an individual athlete, through sponsorships, whatever it might be. He has an extremely compelling story. I'm sure it could make a lot of money, you know, helping being a motivational speaker as well. So he's got a lot of things that are going well for him. So I think it was a good decision. It was it was just weird timing because it's like, wait, yeah, you already you're already here. You might as well just finish off the year. But he's like, no, like this is a prime year of, for him. It's a Olympic year, Paralympic year. Doesn't want to go and miss out on on being able to you know take advantage of that. So it's understandable. It was a little strange, but yeah. So go ahead and and take a look at that uh, article on the New York Times. It was fantastic, and I definitely re- recommend you going to take a look at it. Uh, next story that was interesting with individual athlete wise, you had Marquise Goodwin, who was an NFL wide receiver. I know he was with the Eagles. I think he got, he either got let go, cut, or he became a free agent. Can't remember. Um, he was most prominently for the 49ers. Um, really good wide receiver. Uh, he's also a long jumper. He actually, um, competed in the Olympic trials. I think even the Olympics in the primary, the, the prelims, he didn't do too hot. But he just jumped in, in 8.12, which is the fifth, the fifth best uh, distance in the world right now. And he's, what, 30 years old? I mean, he's doing really good and showing that you can be a dual sport athlete. And so there's, there's a lot of these guys that are these world-class athletes in football. Also, you can be a world-class athlete in track and field as well. And so... I, it, it goes to show that many of these football players could be Olympic gold medalists if they wanted to. I mean, because Marquise Goodwin isn't the best athlete in the NFL. I don't think anyone would say that. But he shows that, hey, he's not the best athlete in the NFL. He's not the fastest. He can't jump the highest. But he's all, he's the fifth best in the world right now. I mean, imagine if we had some of these other athletes that are – uh, in the NFL, decided to take it seriously. I mean, there's we, we you you know the names. You don't have to go over them, but yeah, impressive. And I like to see that. Going to be interesting to see what he focuses on going forward with this year being an Olympic year. Does he want to say, hey, let's let's try to see what we can do a little bit more? Or is he going to go towards the NFL route? Either way, uh, I'm excited to see what's going to go. Uh, final story of the day. Want to talk about just the way that track and field is structured in the United States, not so much in the world. Um, we can get into that conversation a while, but I really want to talk about the way that the that track and field is structured, especially in the United States. And so the structure of track and field in the United States is that there is no structure <laughs> to track and field in the United States, there are just tons of meets, you know, there's week, there's meets going on every single weekend happening every, like all around the country. And you have athletes competing in all different ones, kind of depending on their region. And, and so you're, you're missing a lot of really great competitions because people are competing here, here, they're going, they're going internationally to compete. They're competing in the diamond league. They're competing. It's, there's no structure to it. And it's just like, it's like the Wild West right now. Just anyone is competing anywhere. And so I think that the track and field world needs more structure, which is, you know, makes just makes sense. And so there's two different ways I think that you can do this. One, you can go the route of team sports, like the NBA, the NFL, MLB, so on and so forth, where you have a regular season and you have teams or individual athletes. You could do this really easily with the NCAA, where you have a regular season, playoffs, 
championship. Boom, boom, boom. You could do that. Or you can kind of go the way of UFC, golf, NASCAR. Well, I guess not NASCAR. NASCAR does have a regular season. But UFC and golf are primarily the ones that I'm thinking of where you have a couple major meets, couple major competitions that go on throughout the year that end up to being a a big-time championship um, at the end of things. I think that's where we should go. I've, I've jumped all over the place where I think we should have team track and field. And, and right now I'm thinking, okay, we could have this. Why do I say this? So if you look at it from a golf perspective, there are what, four or five majors that happen throughout the year. Um, each weekend over like what, a couple days, they'll have big golf tournaments that, that just go on and they're, and they're huge. And there's what, four or five that happen each year fantastic and it's it does really well I mean there's some really big names that people will watch every single time and what I think you could do if you wanted to keep track and field to being this two three day event I think you should go that way I think you should personally cut down meets to being about two hours so people can sit down and watch an entire thing but if you're going to keep them to being a two or three day event I think you should go the route that golf does and so If you're looking at it, at least from an American track and field perspective, I think we could have five or really four championships or four meets that happen. And then we could have a championship at the end, which is the United States championship. And so this is what I think we could have. Looking at currently how it's structured, there are, as I mentioned, four different major relay events that happen throughout the year. I might be missing one or two, so if, if I miss some, tell me, uh, give me a comment, leave me a message on Instagram, let me know, hey, Colin, you idiot, you missed this giant meet, that's a big thing. Uh, so one is Texas Relays that we just saw happen, happens in early, happens in the Mar- in March, uh, one of the biggest meets of the year, so we could have that be, that's a major meet that would count towards points for this championship or whatever it might be, and like having that be a major meet. Second meet, Penn Relays. Now, I know Penn Relays and Drake Relays happen uh, fairly, fairly similar times, mid-April, um, but I would, or actually happen on the same day, not just fairly similar times, but have the Penn Relays or the Drake Relays, maybe you, you, you flip-flop it, I don't know what it is, um, or have them change dates, have that be another major meet. And so this is like the Masters, U.S. Open, things like that, like they have in golf. Another major competition that they that we have currently in United States track is the Florida Relays. Uh, that also happens March April time frame. Uh, we could, I'm in my perspective, we can change the dates so this happens in what so the all the meets happens in March April May June. I mean, there's four meets you could have one one each month for for these majors. Uh, and then the last one that is a major meet is the Prefontaine Classic. Uh, that happens out in in Eugene, Oregon. Uh, that's another one that that's major. And so I think if we could circle them around, having these be the major meets, and saying like, hey, these are the competitions that we're gonna focus on, uh, as from a marketing standpoint, from a competition standpoint, just so that we can be like, hey, these are the ones that are important. You want to win these. And actually, like, really focusing in, I think we have an opportunity to make this thing something similar to the way that that golfer or UFC has it. I mean, 
you can have if you wanted to, to from a monetary from a monetary perspective you could have a package be like hey you want to buy a tv package or a streaming package where you know for 50 50 bucks you can get these five meets that 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 go on like a pay-per-view type thing you could you could have that or or then you could also have it be a similar to the ufc thing where hey you can watch the first pre you can watch the prelims on friday or thursday for free so all prelims on thursday or friday are for free to be streamed or to watch on tv go ahead if you want to watch the finals though you're gonna have to pay for that i'm fine with that too uh i think that that'd be a good way to to make money and then really putting a lot of effort into these events and so making sure that events can be watched throughout the entire uh the entire competition and, and not just where you're just showing track events but you're showing the field events as well uh, how do you do that, you might ask? Well, I look at the NCAA championships and indoors and what they did really well there. Uh, I really loved the fact that they started off with the field events. And so you could get for about half an hour to an hour. I can't remember the exact amount of time. It was just field events going on. And so you can see long jump, triple jump, pole vault, shot put, whatever it was. They were just showing those. And then in like an hour, they were like, all right, it's time to show the track and field events. And you would see all the events that were going on on the track. And I thought it was great. It was a really good way to kind of actually see these field events because I'm a pole vault fan. It was nice to be able to see all the vaults instead of just the winning jump. And so I think if you restructure meets where you have field events for like the first 45 minutes, only field events going on, and then you have track, 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 and then in the middle... You have a break from the track and you have just field events going on then. So then people can watch. So you say, okay, we're just going to watch the field events for this next 45 minutes, an hour. Great. And then finish off with track and field the rest of the day. I think that's going to, that could go really well uh, from a viewing perspective and, and doing that on these major meets, I think would be good. Uh, obviously every meet you can't do that. Like, I mean, for <laughs> any meet that I was competing in, uh, it just, you know, you're not focused on, you know, the, the marketing of it. It's just, you know, just being able to compete. But for these major meets that I, you know, listed Texas relays, Penn relays, Prefontaine, Florida relays, I think it'd be important to be able to watch other events. You got to think of it, um, you know, how you can monetize it best. So those are my suggestions. I don't think they're too hard to do. I'd love to see it. I think it'd do well. But what do you think? Do you think that that would be a great way to restructure uh, track and field or American track and field more specifically? What did you think about some of these athletes' performances this past weekend and also the, the decision that, the, that Hunter had to, to go professional as well as dual athletes uh, on the professional level? Um, love to hear your thoughts, but thank you for listening. It's been another episode of track world news. If you'd like more content, follow us on Instagram at track world news. Uh, you can post a whole bunch of stuff clips there. Uh, you don't want to miss out. Also make sure that you leave us a rating, give us a follow subscribe, uh, really helps us know that you're enjoying the content and love the support that we've had so far. My name's Colin. Have a good one. Peace. <laughs>